Hello, and welcome to the Am I a Bad Mom podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christy Ritz-King. I'm a trauma therapist and a maternal mental health specialist, and perhaps most importantly, a mom of three. I've met many incredible women over the years in the various careers that I've had, and seemingly no matter where they are along their motherhood journey, they are powerful, they are brave, they are incredibly successful in their lives, and no matter what, they all ask the same question at least one time. And that question is, am I a bad mom because fill in the blank? (laughs) There are any number of blanks to fill in there. And this podcast aims to provide you all the reasons why the answer to that question is unequivocally no. Every single time the answer is no, you are not a bad mom. And we're here to show you today exactly why. So welcome. We can't wait to help you feel better about the parent that you are. Hey friends, welcome back to the Am I a Bad Mom podcast. Today we're going to talk about my favorite thing, trauma, (laughs) which sounds funny, right? If I say we're going to talk about trauma and then chuckle, but here's the truth. I want to talk about this because I feel like if you have spent any time on social media, this word and this concept of trauma is thrown around like snowballs in a snowball fight. And Oftentimes it's correct information, but it's not enough information. And other times it's completely incorrect information being weaponized to try to sell you something. And I want to set the record straight. And I'm also going to talk about a new way of working with me that has to do with all of this stuff. Stay tuned. Here we go with what is trauma? Why do I get crazy when I'm listening to stuff on social media, talk about it and what it really should be known as and handled as. So I'm going to address this by just talking about what I do as a trauma therapist. I call myself a trauma therapist and people nod nicely and smile. I don't think they really know what that means. And what I know that they think is that, oh, I don't need her because I don't have any trauma. So I want to break down what trauma is. So when we think of trauma, we often think of acute trauma, which is like an event in our lives or an obvious thing that happens, a car accident, a fire the loss of a loved one, the tragic loss of a loved one, either way, even if it's immediate or if it's over time, the loss of a loved one is a trauma. We think of natural disasters. We think of crime. We think of those kind of things. That is true. They are all traumatic events. But the trauma itself is the emotional response that you have after living through those distressing events. What I deal with in my office is not the acute incident It's the way that you process it or did not process it at the time. And that's for acute traumas. There are also chronic traumas, which is growing up with domestic violence, having a sexual assault, growing up in poverty, not knowing where your next meal is coming from, not knowing where you're going to sleep that night. Those kind of chronic life events or life circumstances that lead to the stress that is the trauma, that chronic stress is the trauma. There's also complex trauma, which we hear about a lot with like soldiers coming from war. We think of PTSD as chronic, I mean, sorry, as complex trauma. It's interpersonal in nature. So again, it could be those sexual violence, neglect, things like that, abuse, but there's usually multiples and varied different instances. I have worked before with people who have been in war, but I've also worked with people who have lived in places of war and those traumas that come from that. And then also the experience of having to leave or migrating or any of those, you know, there's just multiple things throughout life that you are managing. And 
What we do to manage that is we are built to adapt to the situations we're in for survival. And oftentimes the tools that we adapt, the, the ways we adapt the tools that we utilize to manage those stressful, chronic, or acute traumatic situations, we find later in life aren't serving us. So some people say, I don't have trauma. <laughs> and that might be true in from that acute standpoint. What they might have is an understanding that they're repeating the same patterns. They're getting into the same types of relationships that aren't good for them. They're constantly losing jobs. They're unable to settle and figure out what it is they want for their lives. They're getting themselves in and out of debt all the time. They're losing and gaining weight. They're doing the same things over and over again, and they can't stop themselves and they can't figure out why they continue to do them, or they can't stop themselves because they don't have any awareness of why they're doing them. Those are also the people that come into my office. They come into my office because they have those acute traumas and they want to process them, or because they are hopeless or stuck, or their relationship is uncomfortable or not ideal, or they're having trouble at work, or sometimes they just feel off and they don't know why they've gotten to this point in their lives and suddenly things aren't working the way they used to. And they don't understand why that's so in trauma therapy as a trained trauma therapist. And here's the difference between trauma therapist, someone, well, here's the difference between me as a trauma therapist and other psychotherapists or people who call themselves trauma trained, whatever yoga teachers, coaches, whatever I studied psychology. I studied counseling and I studied counseling through crisis and trauma. Those are very different things. Counseling taught me sort of that interpersonal, how do I listen reflectively? How do I reframe things so that you are seeing them different? Psychology and counseling all go toward this mental wellness and social workers have the same training. We go through this mental wellness of how do we help a person come to their own insights and guidance and best choices going forward. That's sort of the understanding of that. It used to be way, way back in the day that psychology was this kind of top down. I'm the professional. I know the things I'm going to give you insight into your own life. Luckily, by the time I got to the profession, that was less so. <laughs> and we understood we are a guidepost. We are the other person in a relationship that's going to help these people move into where they want to go next. Yes, we can see things sometimes you, our clients can't right away, but we get them there rather than telling them that. It's always better if you get there yourself. So that's the counseling piece. The trauma piece is understanding in the last 25 to 30 years that we don't process those traumatic events by talking about them. <laughs> we hold trauma, you know, I said the trauma itself is the way that we is the emotional response, the lasting emotional response to living through that event. And that lasting emotional response, we hold it in our bodies most of the time. Even if we can intellectualize something, we can say, oh, I'm afraid of this thing because this thing happened to me when I was young. I'm afraid of it now as an adult. Even if we can say that and we can intellectualize it and we can make that connection, we don't always follow through and do the thing we think we're supposed to because we actually don't feel that healing inside us. Our bodies, we don't embody that healing the same way. So I have so many clients that come to me frustrated after having been in therapy or been to a coach or learned life skills saying, I know why this is happening and I know I want it to be different, but I just can't get myself there. 
And usually what happens then is we do some sort of therapeutic intervention that we call top, we call bottom up, which rather than top down, like your brain to your body, we go from our body into our thoughts and we do a bottom up intervention and something is opened up in them that they go, oh, I thought I knew or could intellectually say why this thing was happening, but it turns out there's more to it that I was holding in my body. And that is why I keep doing what I'm doing. And so now I need to reprogram that thing. I need to let go of that response. I need to reprogram that coping mechanism to be a different coping mechanism. I need to let that part go, whatever the languaging is around it. We do the interventions, the physical interventions to help get you there. That's the difference between trauma therapy and old traditional, I'll call it psychotherapy. It's not better or worse. It's not right or wrong. It's just what works for a person A might not work for person B and vice versa. Or you may have gotten as far as you're going to get in traditional talk therapy and you need some different interventions that I would do versus a psychotherapist who just does talk therapy or even journaling or any of those kind of things. CBT, those kind of interventions that are, I'm going to change my thoughts. I'm going to do this. That's all great if it works, (laughs) but for some people it doesn't work. And it's because you need a little more of that bottom-up approach, that physical somatic approach to get you to changing those neural pathways and those beliefs that you have held down deep that you might not even realize. That is all a very long way of explaining why I categorize myself as a trauma therapist. And here's what I'll tell you. In my master's degree, I specifically focused on crisis and trauma, largely because I went into this field after a natural disaster in my home. We had a super storm (laughs) that wiped out whole towns and homes and everything else. And as a health coach at the time, I was a holistic health coach. I was working with a bunch of people who had been displaced. And I realized, well, like diet is not the thing they need help with right now. They need sort of basic life skills. And there's a lot more trauma happening here than I am equipped to handle as a coach. And so I think I need to go back to school. And I specifically went back to school because I wanted to know, how do I help the helpers? How do I help the people that are at all these disaster sites when they have to go home to their lives and they've just seen all the things they've seen? Because boy, did we see some stuff as helpers. So I specifically looked for a program that would give me that trauma background, that crisis and trauma background. And so I learned like how to do that sort of acute crisis counseling in the moment, how to help people get their basic needs met in order to then move to the next part. And then in my doctorate degree, I moved into the mind body bottom up interventions of how do you help people truly and finally get through these events that have happened. During the way I learned about things like attachment trauma and developmental trauma, meaning when things happen to you in those years where your mind and your brain and your sense of self is developing, what are the effects of that as an adult? And how does that show up? And might it be that people think they're absolutely fine and they're quote unquote over it and they're really not because it's showing up in X, Y, and Z ways. So yes, there's that saying that when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I will admit that as a trauma trained therapist, when I look at almost anything that's right in front of me, I think, what was there before this that got you here? It doesn't mean you're going to come into my office and we're going to blame your mama. That's not how we do it. (laughs) But what we might say is that thing you saw happen when your parents got divorced or when your parent passed away or when your grandma who lived with you passed away, that thing that you saw or experienced, even though it didn't seem quote unquote traumatic, 
there is a coping skill that developed. There is a belief that developed around that event that you're still hanging on to today and utilizing today because you think you need to. When in reality, you don't need, you can let go of that thing, that adaptation, and you can thank you for the job well done and let it move on. And that will help you as an adult to do things differently in your life. And so I do, I look at everything, including the clinical diagnoses that come in my office. I look at those as probably related to trauma. And I'm not saying that I'm going to cure people of their bipolar disorder or their schizoaffective disorder, but I am saying there's more to it than most people think when they show up at my door. And that's why I get a little bit upset about what I see on the internet as like, we all have trauma. We all could take some deep breaths and we'll be fine <laughs> because while I am for, or while I am against gatekeeping of mental wellness practices and policies, I am not for distilling it down so much that it seems like everybody should just be able to fix themselves. Because one, that assumes you're broken. And I don't believe that about anybody. But two, it also assumes that you should be able to do everything on your own. And I don't believe that either. I don't think anybody has helped 100% on their own. I think everybody needs relationship. Everybody needs support. Everybody needs somebody else to help them hold their hand along the way. And so these professionals, if you will, and if you could see me now, you would see the look on my face when I say that word, but these experts, let's call them, that are getting, that get online and give you these like 30 to 60 second snippets of trauma and how you should handle your trauma make me nervous because I don't love the idea of people thinking they can do all this on their own. And I also don't love the idea of slamming any other kind of intervention. Oftentimes I see these people come on and say like, you know, everything you heard from your therapist is dumb because trauma is dealt with this way. And I think, why do we need to do that? <laughs> I think there is a time and a place for everybody to do everything. And as a trauma trained psychotherapist, I 100% love my colleagues who do art therapy or traditional talk therapy or psychoanalysis or any of that kind of stuff. Great. I love them. I think there's a place for them. That's going to work for somebody completely. It isn't necessarily going to work for everybody. And that's why I'm here. And that's why we refer to each other. And that's why we move things along. All that said, I have found in my practice that the traditional model of, you know, one hour once a week or every other week, which is really what it works out to a lot of the times, is fine for some people, but it is not enough for some people. Meaning by the time we get into the depth of what we need to be into, the session's over. Or if it's somebody who comes in every other week, a lot of times we spend half the session just recapping what happened in the last two weeks and we never really get to the thick of what is going on underneath that keeps them repeating these things and locked in these relationships and all of those things. That said, the other reason for this is people don't have the capacity sometimes for the traditional way of doing it. Either they don't have the money to pay every single week. The reason that their insurance doesn't cover it is they either have a high deductible or the practitioner doesn't take insurance anymore. I will speak for myself. I don't take insurance anymore because it was impossible in some cases to get the care people needed approved by their insurance companies. I wouldn't get paid. I would get notices that I wasn't allowed to see them anymore because supposedly they were cured. <laughs> you have to diagnose them with exactly the right thing or the insurance company won't cover it. It was a lot of non-therapeutic work to be able to take insurance in that way in my practice for the work that I do. And so I don't take it, which means some people can't afford to come every week. And I'm fine with that. 
also means they don't necessarily get the depth of care that they need because they're not coming consistently and they're not coming as frequently or for as long as they want. Even the people who come every single week, sometimes an hour isn't enough. Or, or I'm adding to, I didn't create, somebody else created this. I'm adding to my practice something called therapy intensives, which I'm talking about them as if they're like a personal retreat. They are longer periods of time on a weekend usually. We can do some weekdays depending, I'm, I'm open weekdays, but it depends on other people's schedule. I'm doing this to be open to other people. So I understand that some people can't take off in the middle of the week. So they want to come on a weekend and it's either one day or two. And it is anywhere from four to 10 hours, depending on how many days you do and what you do. And it's really just in-depth trauma informed therapeutic interventions. So you and I will come up with your goals and where you want to go at the end of this, how you want to feel at the end of this. And then I will create a program for you. You come in, we do the work. Some of it includes EMDR therapy. There's some somatic therapy in there. I'm getting trained on something called the safe and sound protocol that uses music and certain frequencies of music. Again, I have a toolbox full of things that I've learned as a trauma therapist that I don't always get to use in a 50 minute session. And I'm really excited. I'm a trained yoga therapist. Like there's just multitudes of things we can do depending on you and your goals and how you want to work. And then you get a follow-up session afterward to just see how you're integrating the things that are in. And ideally it works one of two ways. You come, this is great. This is all you need. And you're off on your way. Or you come, this is great. It moves you forward so that you can return to your regular therapist. If that's me, great. If it's not your regular therapist or your coach or whomever, and just kind of integrate the two together. Because this is the sort of deeper, more in-depth, pushing larger boulders therapy that you don't get in everyday sessions, but it doesn't mean you're finished. I also could see it being you come four times a year or you come twice a year. Or you call me when you've just had a huge life transition or you're noticing a kind of repeated spiral of repeated pattern because in life, even if you deal with something at sort of this level, you're continuously moving up levels in your life and those same things might appear in a different way at a different level. So I could see this being like, you come to me in September and then I hear from you again the following October <laughs> or you come September, you come April, you come, I don't know, June something like that. Those are sort of what you need in between. If you've ever been in a retreat, you know the sort of power that comes from that. So if you think of being on a personal retreat and also incorporating in that personal retreat tools that you can use when you leave so that you're not sort of crash landing back into the real world, like can often happen when you're on retreat somewhere, but instead you're understanding, okay, this is what I need when I get out of here. And I've healed some things in this office that I'm no longer going to need some of these things anyway. So those are the therapy intensives. This is a sort of long winded way of saying there's a lot of misinformation in there out there about therapy. There's a lot of misinformation out there about trauma. And there's a lot of misinformation out there about how you can do it on your own. I'm not saying you can't do some things on your own. But I am saying maybe don't believe all of the self-help guidelines, whatever gurus that are out there telling you, if you just buy my book for $12 and follow these five steps, everything in your life is going to change. Just maybe be a little skeptical of that stuff and tune into your own self and think, what do I need here? What is important to me? How can I manage it? 
who can I seek out? I'm not the only one doing these things. If you don't feel like coming to New Jersey, or if you don't already live in New Jersey, then you can find other people that are all around the country doing it. I know the person I learned from is out West in, I think, Oregon. There's a woman in Ohio who does it. Like we're all over the place. (laughs) We're all trauma trained and we're all working with these intensive models. And so if you don't want to come to me in New Jersey, great, please reach out and I can help you find someone else though, because it's a really great service. It's a really important thing. Even if you're not looking for the intensives, finding somebody who's trauma trained can be really helpful if you're feeling like I've done some therapy in the past and it's worked, but it hasn't really pushed me where I needed it to go, or I'm feeling stuck again. A trauma-trained therapist is a really excellent way of getting unstuck. So even if you don't think you have trauma, what we call capital T trauma, those big, acute, obvious things, there may be something under there, a belief or an adaptation that you've made over the years to help you in that situation that you don't need anymore. And some interventions that will help you reprogram that those beliefs can be really helpful. Again, reach out to me if you're interested in them with working with me or reach out if you are interested in them, but you don't want to work with me. I get that too. And I can help you try to find somebody else closer to you or more convenient to you. Okay. Thank you so much for listening today. I know this feels like maybe I don't understand how this has anything to do with being a mom, but the fact is, 99% of the people that show up in my office show up because of something that's going on in their relationship, either with their children or their partner around raising the children. There is nothing, there is no mirror quite as strong as raising children. So all of those times you're asking, am I a bad mom? It could very well be because you're sort of repeating a pattern or living out some belief that you no longer need. And that is what we are here for as trauma therapists. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, remember that every time you think to yourself, am I a bad mom? The answer is always no. Stay tuned for a little bit of me time and some references there. Hey, listener. If you appreciate what you get here as far as support and camaraderie and feeling like you're not alone, then I think you should really check out the Women of Wonder community that I run. It is exactly that. (laughs) It is a community full of support and camaraderie and you are not aloneness. It is meant to replace the old-fashioned Facebook groups that we used to love before it got so mean and snarky and Facebooky. It is a place where you can ask the questions you have, where you can share the joys and share the sorrows and expect a supportive response, non-judgmental response. We meet weekly via Zoom, so we have people from all over the world that come and join us, and there are other supports like newsletters and uh, message boards and all of the things that you can and want and need in your life to provide you that support and scaffolding to help do this job we call motherhood. Check it out on my website, wonderinkwellness.com. It's called the Women of Wonder Community, and you can sign up today and get two months free if you do a year subscription. If you have any questions, again, always send me an email, but I would love to see you inside. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Me Time segment of the podcast. It's going to be a quick one today, as the whole episode was. But it's a couple things that it's funny because I talk about in the episode, don't listen to the self-help books out there, but (laughs) I have a book for you. And I think there's a difference between the um, people who write self-help books that are not clinically trained therapists of some capacity. They don't have to be. But I find that sometimes the self-help stuff that comes from somebody who's just lived an experience 
if it's just their lived experience and they're telling you as a sort of an inspirational way, those are amazing. But the ones that are like, hey, I pulled myself up on my bootstraps and you can too. Those sometimes are a little bit questionable. This book is neither of those things. Deb Dana is a, I believe she's a I believe she's a PhD psychologist. Oh no, she's an LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker. So she is clinically trained in psychology and also in the polyvagal theory, which if you want to look that up, Stephen Porges is the PhD behind that. But this book is called Anchored. Oh, sorry. I just hit my microphone, friends. <laughs> this book is called Anchored and it's Deb Dana. And it is a little explanation of what polyvagal theory is which if you listen to the episode, when I talk about bottom up things, that's polyvagal theory is a bottom up intervention. It's an explanation, but also it's got some really great tips, either if you're a clinician or if just a human who wants to read about how to help heal yourself through bodily ways, how to use your body, how to use movement, how to use things like that to help your nervous system understand it is safe and calm. So that book's called Anchored. The other thing I have, and this, I think I got this at like American Eagle or something when I was with one of my kids. It's mindfulness cards. I don't even know. It's simple practices for everyday life. I don't even know who. Rohan, G-U-N-A-T-I-L-L-A-K-E. It might be like gonna to lake, like something that I'm trying to make it fancier than it is. He's based in Glasgow, Scotland. Anyway, he's the author and founder of Mindfulness Everywhere a company that develops mindfulness products, including the best-selling meditation app, Budify. Budify, that's how you say it. Sorry, I was reading that instead of, I know what that is. It's Budify. <laughs> and it's an, an app online for that helps with meditation and mindfulness. Anyway, this is not an ad or sponsored in any way, but I found these cards and they're great. They're, mindfulness as a tool in general is a great way to start to pay attention to what's going on with your body and mind. So that, again, that top, that bottom up way of healing trauma has to start with you having some concept of how it, things feel inside your body. And this is a nice way of like, you can pull one a day. They're categorized into rest and balance, curiosity and joy, insight and awareness and kindness. And I sometimes use them with clients. I sometimes use them in the wonder women of wonder group. We use some of the exercises, but you can pull one card a day or you can, go to a specific topic that you want and be like, I just need an exercise for this. I need more awareness or I need more rest or I need more whatever. And you pull out a card and it gives you like the idea of saying a giant fat yes to everything that comes your way. It might feel cheesier over the top, but as a mindfulness exercise, the practice of yes can be incredibly freeing. So it just gives you tips and tricks and things to do to practice mindfulness, which is so important in everybody's healing that, and I can use all the help I can get with this kind of stuff. So any deck of cards that promise me <laughs> some options, I will take. So mindfulness cards and anchored the book by Deb Dana. I will put links in the show notes and that's all I got for you today. Sorry, it was a quick one, but I just wanted to, oh, and I suppose I'd be remiss if I didn't include in the meantime <laughs> therapy intensives with me. <laughs> so if you're interested in digging a little deeper and going a little farther with your therapy or you don't have the time or space in your life for everyday weekly sessions or bi-weekly sessions, just you can sign up on my website. There's more information on my website, wonderinkwellness.com, including a way to schedule a 15 minute good fit call with me where we can discuss, do you want to come see me? Does that make the most sense? Or do you want me to help you find somebody else who does it this way too? Okay, again, thanks for listening. And don't forget, every time you ask yourself that question, am I a bad mom? The answer is always no. 
If you got a minute, please take that minute to leave us a review or just rate us on wherever you're listening to podcasts. It really helps us to get out there for more people to hear. Thanks so much. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you heard something today that made you feel better about your parenting and about yourself. Remember, if you have a moment, we would love a review. It helps more people to hear about us. If you like the episode, share it with your friends. And of course, subscribe so that you know when it's going to drop every single week. Thanks again. Until next time, keep asking those same questions and know that the answer to am I a bad mom is always no. 